Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. We'll have to share with you, those were great illustrations by Jeff. Uh, uh, I was hunting yesterday, and it was freezing cold up there and pouring down rain, and so... Yeah, that shower when I got home was absolutely awesome. So, great illustrations. I really appreciate those. And there's really some great notes of encouragement today, and I think that's awesome. So I want to start off with notes of encouragement, and then we'll do some uh, promotionals for upcoming events. So, Mrs. Compton. Thanks, Emma. Mrs. Compton, you are a great Bible class assistant. You are wonderful. Where is she? There she is over there. Wonderful human being. Ken, so thankful for you, the way you serve the body and your happy heart that adds so much, so much richness to our family. Amen. There you go. Sharon, your sweet and gentle spirit shines. Your sensitivity to others and their feelings is an example to all of us. Amen. Amen, amen. That's a good one. Okay, I like her too. She's a nice lady. All right. Miriam, I so appreciate your service heart. It encourages so many. And Emma's getting her exercise. That's great. Thank you. Liberty in the back. Liberty. Are you cold-blooded or what? Hanging on the heater? <laughs> Liberty, your smiling face always makes my day. I love your positive attitude and encouraging spirit. How many think Liberty's got a great smile? Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Jeff. So appreciate the amazing friend that you are to so many and to myself also. You have such a deep and abiding love for people and their well-being. And I'm going to add, where is Jeff? You're a good storyteller, too. I like your stories. There you are. So, only wish I could understand what it's like to get an elk. You know, that would be a fun story to, for me to relate to. <laughs> so, anyway. Although, I did I did help our brother John get his elk. So, but that was pretty easy compared to packing it out a mile, you know. He had a tractor. It was great. Just... Call for your sister-in-law. She gets the tractor, brings it out, and it's done. It's kind of neat. All I had to do is put a little chain on it. That's all I had to do. All right. Well, enough of that silliness. Let's get on to to announcements. Looks like Heidi Heidi's hiding. We'll have to wait till Heidi's here next time. Remind me next time you see Heidi that we need to sing happy birthday to her. And Emma. Emma. So a lot of people have been turning 16 these days. Are you turning 16? No. How old are you? You're 11. I was going to say 13. I was going to say... She's turning 12. Turning 12? Okay, next year is the teenage turn. Okay. Well, congratulations. You made it 12 years. And uh, so next year is 2021. And I know it's going to be a great year for everybody. But for mom and dad, when someone turns 13, 
those teen years look out. So happy birthday. So let's sing happy birthday. I'm going to do a couple more announcements. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. So how many think that Emma is a great encourager? Oh, how many think Emma Emma is a sweetheart? Oh, man, that's, we're not getting too much response. We've got to work these people over a little bit. So Anyway, I really appreciate you, Emma, a lot. It's great. So uh, Sunday evening, we're going to be out here Sunday, Sunday evening. We're continuing in uh, 1 Timothy. And uh, remember, next week, we're going to have our Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar last meeting. Uh, meeting before the big event, and so if you can make it next week, Sunday, uh, after assembly, that would be great. Uh, Monday evening, we're going to continue in our studies on faith out at the Compton Homestead for the college age. Wednesday night, we're out, uh, I'm sorry, we're at Tamara's. By the way, that was an awesome dinner. That was a wonderful time. I love your place. So we're uh, we're going to be at Tamara's once again, Wednesday evening, and then uh, Thursday, 7 o'clock, ladies' study at the parks. A couple announcements of things coming up. Uh, Saturday the 7th is Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. And so people have been asking, when is when is Oregon Family Camp going to be? Oregon Family Camp, for all those listening online, Oregon Family Camp is February 26th, 27th, and 28th. And uh, it may be here, maybe somewhere else, I don't know, but I know it's going to be in Oregon. And so uh, just know Oregon Family Camp will be held in Oregon. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, just so you're in the know. Now uh, I need to just uh, email everybody and let them know from here and abroad. So with that, any other announcements? Any other announcements? Oh, thank you. I brought them up and I hid them. Thank you. You're wonderful. (laughs) Cakewalk sign up. Looks like lots of good things. Somebody put, uh, who was it that wanted to do cookies? Was it the Halstead Boys? I don't remember. Anyway, that's cool. So here we have the uh, cakewalk. If you want to bring some goodies uh, for the cakewalk, that'd be great. And also, look at this fancy November and December calendar for cleanup. And please make note of the Sunday that you're cleaning up. Maybe put a little, uh, little buzz in your phone. Uh, so you remember, last couple last couple weeks I've been working on cleaning the building when I get here, and uh, so it's like, oh, uh-oh. So anyway, that would be great. I appreciate it. All right, I think we got everything now, right? Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 3. Acts 3 and verse 17 through 21. Particular attention, obviously, to uh, verse 19 there. So Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, reading through verse 21. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration 
of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. I want you to also turn to the book of Titus in chapter 3 this morning. And as I have been studying, it seems like, uh, and I know many have had this experience as well, as you're looking through the scriptures uh, to uh, understand a particular concept, other scriptures come on your computer screen. And this is one of them that did for me. Titus in chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. And notice this is talking uh, not about the restoration and and not about the refreshing, uh, but about regeneration and renewing. And so notice in verse 3, it says, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Kind of sounds like the company you don't want to keep, right? Well, that's how we were, but that's not how we are as Christians. Look at verse four. But when the kindness of God, our savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Our God, our holy God in heaven, how thankful we are, Father, that that you have given us this wonderful season in life as Christians called the season of refreshing, this, this time or times of refreshing. And we're thankful, Father, that there is a restoration process going on. And you know, as I was reading and studying uh, for this section of, of studies, a series of lessons, Titus came to mind. And as I was looking at that, it's really amazing how uh, through your grace and your mercy and your love, you saw fit that, that we would uh, be uh, born again, that uh, the washing of regeneration, uh, that there would be a, a change. And Father, also too, a renewing, uh, a process by which we would be made new. And we're so thankful, Father, for that. I pray that we'd understand it so that, Holy Father, the great joy that we will have when we enter into heaven is joy that we can know now through faith and hope. And I would ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would help us to see that this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I had a wonderful experience yesterday as I aimlessly wandered the woods with my rifle. And uh, it was a fantastic experience. It was pouring down rain when we got there. And uh, we were hoping that the weather report would be such that we would get out of our truck and the rain would stop. At least that's what we were told by all the weather people. And uh, God had a different story. They also said, the weather people said, that the sun would come out and the birds would be singing and all would be joy at about 10 o'clock. So I figured, you know what? Rain will stop, we'll get out of the truck, we'll walk up there, Bambi will appear and life will be good. Not even close, all right? It's pouring down rain. We were soaked before we got to where we were going to meet Bambi. And uh, I'll tell you what, Jeff was talking about getting cold and 
this old, getting old is for the birds. <laughs> oh, to be young again. Oh, to be young again. Oh, to have all things new. You know, every smell is new. Every sight and sound is new. Oh, how wonderful it would be. And it would be great when you go out and you play hard all day. You don't have any aches and pains. Well, that season was, but it is not now. But you know, I shared that before. The reality is, is something really special happened yesterday in the rain. I was walking through the woods quietly and I came to this, this cliff. It was beautiful, beautiful looking to the east and the clouds were moving from the west to the east. And then at the right time, at the right time when I sat down looking over the beautiful, you know, landscape and the trees and everything, is there was a cloud break and the sun was beaming through the clouds and through the, the fog and the trees. And it was one of the most beautiful things I'd seen in, in years. And I remembered, I remembered that when I was young, all these things were so new and so alive and so exciting. I remember what the preacher said a couple weeks ago, and I went, what a gift. What a gift of beauty. For just a moment. You know, what if being born again, we could put all those moments together and so that our lives would be filled with so much hope, so much joy, so much real life like Christ, that people would want to know the hope that's within us. And they would ask, and we would be prepared to give a defense, to share why we have hope in such a hopeless, messed up world. Brethren, it's so critical for us to recognize and understand the passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning shares that we can actually have that. So I want to go back and read it once again and launch right into our lesson point number one. Let's go back, Titus and chapter uh, three, and, and notice verse three. It really talks about life outside of Christ. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. You know, I remember those days, and I think if, if you were honest with yourself, you had days like that before as well. But those days should be absolutely gone from our lives. Gone from our lives. Look at verse four. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. We have to remember that nothing that we do can merit our salvation. It's what he accomplished for us and the gift that he granted to us through what he accomplished in paying for all of our sins. As he hung on the cross, bearing our sins in his body. We need to recognize then that, that in verse five, we see this very amazing thing happening that we'll be talking about this morning. Verse five, it says here, but by the washing of generation and renewing by the Holy Spirit. And that wonderful spirit was poured out upon us richly that we might 
be renewed day by day until we enter into heaven. Let's remember that as Christians, we, as has already been stated by Jeff, we are a new creation. Old things passed away, new things have come. That hatefulness and that hatred has been replaced with the love of Jesus Christ. And I really appreciate what you shared this morning, Jeff, in regards to a restoration, uh, a a reconciliation of our relationship with him. Because truly our sins do separate us from God and he reconciled us uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to look at point number one this morning. Point number one, if you'll get your lesson plans out and take a look at point number one, the washing of regeneration. There is a moment in time when we are recreated. There is a moment in time when we are recreated new. Regeneration. Let's take a look at what that means. First, I want to look at the word washing. And so if you want to jot a few notes down, that would be fantastic. The word washing there is rather interesting. It means a bath. And uh, it means uh, uh, figuratively baptism or a ceremonial cleansing. The root is luo, and it means to bathe the whole body. That's what Strong says. To bathe the whole body. It's like a washing. It's like a ceremonial bath. Or as uh, is rendered by Strong's baptism. We know baptism. uh, The Greek word for baptism means immersion or submersion. Made holy wet. In uh, Thayer's, this passage on washing is a bathing, a bath. The act of bathing. Used in the New Testament uh, of the act of baptism, meaning immersion of the whole body in water. And obviously, we'll talk later about the reason why. In vines, this washing means a bath, labor. Does anybody understand the concept of labor? In the Old Testament, when someone would come in to serve the Lord in the tent of meeting, before they put on their priestly garments, they needed to take a bath in the labor. Then they could put on their priestly garments. And then they could enter into that holy place where they would do the work of the priests. You know, the holy place is symbolic of the church. The holy of holies is symbolic of heaven in the tent of meeting. The labor is symbolic of immersion and putting on those priestly garments is symbolic of receiving of the Holy Spirit. Those things in the Old Testament were symbolic of the reality that we experience now. And so it's important for us to recognize in vines it says a bath, a labor, metaphorically used of God's word in Ephesians 5, 26, washed by the water and the word. And then, of course, here in Titus 3.15, talking about a moment when there is a washing of regeneration. Now, what is that regeneration? There's a washing of regeneration. What is that? So looking at the second bullet point there, I don't even know how to pronounce that name, but it's kind of a cool name. Uh, Palagenesis. 
something like that. The state or act of spiritual rebirth. The state or act of spiritual rebirth. Born again spiritually. A spiritual rebirth. How many of you know that Jesus said, unless you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven? And, and we recognize from other passages of scripture that children have a guardian angel. And angels are ministering, ministering servants to those who will inherit eternal life. So if you put a couple of things together, it becomes pretty evident that children don't need to be baptized. They don't need to be immersed. They don't need the washing of regeneration. Why? It's because they have a right relationship with God already. But something happens to them. They decide to live life for themselves. The rejection of parents, rejection of authority. I'm going to do my own thing in my own time the way I want to do it. And the devil gets them. They die. Book of Romans in chapter 7 talks about that. There was a point in times uh, Paul's life when he was alive apart from the law. But when the law came, it killed him. Why? Because it said, thou shalt not covet. So what did Paul do? He coveted. You see, the law is good and righteous and true. But it was never in, meant to impart life. It was meant as a tutor to lead us to Christ, that we would seek the Christ because we recognize ourselves as coming up short of his beautiful and amazing and righteous standard of goodness. And so we desperately need a rebirth. Because when we were kids, you know when I was a kid? I remember this vividly. I was in the Catholic Church and I wanted to be a priest when I grew up. I wanted to be a priest. And then I started to watch and see what those guys did. And they're off hours. And some of you know. My grandmother was a housekeeper for a very large Catholic church in Oakland, California. And so when I would go over and spend the weekend with my grandmother, the things I saw were horrific. These are the men that stood bigger than life on Sunday mornings in all of their royal robes. And yet to have them get so drunk playing, playing, uh, uh, um, what, what is that called? Uh, not peanut poker thank you wow he's so drunk playing poker and smoking cigars they would they would fall off of their chairs and they couldn't get up again and then as i grow older i find out other horrible things were happening so for me it was like ah and yet as a child i wanted to be a priest when i grew up I wanted to help people. I, I, I wanted to, to, to help people get out of their sins because I'd always go do the confessional thing. And, and uh, I wanted to help people. And you know what? As a the child's heart, as a child's heart, I wanted to do God's will. And then when I saw 
the religion was a joke. I decided to be a wild child. And the devil said, welcome home. Sick, huh? Well, yeah, pretty sick. But then when I was at the end of my rope, you know that I started seeking and reading and studying God's word. And on August 12, 1982, I was born again, washing of regeneration in a moment of time, 948 on August 12, 1982, I was born again of the water and the spirit. And it was an amazing thing. That moment in time is when I began the season of refreshing, the season of restoration, the season of renewal. It's a process, brethren. Yes, you're born, but you know it's a process to grow. Amen? And I'm still growing. If you think you've arrived, you're ripe and rotting rather than green and growing. You need to continue to be green and growing, not ripe and rotting. And so it's so important for us to recognize this is a process that we're going through. It's a season until we get to glory where that season will be the endless day. And if you want to really study the scriptures and dig deep to keep the Sabbath holy, every moment of your life as a Christian is a day of rest in him. The Sabbath begins now into eternity. The seventh day has begun for you. And so my prayer is that we would recognize this beautiful passage. Now look at the Strong's in regards to regeneration. The state or act of spiritual rebirth, figuratively, spiritual uh, renovation. We're trying to renovate parts of our home. That's pretty exciting. But uh, not as exciting as the spiritual renovation that's going on in our lives. There's two words there, by the way, in this Greek word. The first word is palin, through the idea of oscillating repetition. Oscillating repetition? We once, when we were babes and children, friends of God, in a wonderful relationship with God, but then someone drew us away. And you know who that was? Satan. And the beauty of it is this. When we come to a moment in our lives when we reject the teachings of the world and we embrace the teachings of Christ, then this renewal, this regeneration begins at that moment and we begin to come back to what? That state of innocence purity with God. How many know the scripture that says everyone who has this hope fixed on Jesus that he's coming back for us purifies himself just as he is pure. How many know that passage of scripture? It's in 1 John and chapter 3 and verse 3. I love the passage 1 John chapter 3 verses 1, 2, and 3. We are children of God. We are we don't, might not fully know what that's going to look like when we get home, but we know that we are, and we know that we're being transferred from glory to glory, transformed, and we also know this, that if we really do believe Jesus is coming back for us as his bride, we're going to get ourselves ready. We're going to clothe ourselves with what? The righteousness that he's granted to us and shows us in the scripture. And so we purify ourselves just as he is pure. 
It's a process, brethren. It doesn't happen like that. And so it's so important for us to recognize the beauty of this passage of Scripture, this particular word, regeneration, the idea of oscillating repetition anew in time and place. The word Genesis or Genea here is the second part and it means the birth or generation by implication. Age, the period of time, an age or a generation. So notice this is the age of regeneration. We're being renewed to a true knowledge and a true image of Christ. I am working on restoring my old truck and trying to make all things new. I have a new engine, a new transmission, a new rear end. I have a squeak in the front end after they put a new front end in it. Thank you very much. Jesus didn't do the work, obviously. All right? There's a squeaking going on. And so uh, we're in the process, but it's a process, and that's what we're talking about, brethren. So in Thayer's, it says new birth, reproduction, renewal, or recreation, moral renovation, uh, regeneration, the production of a new life consecrated by God, a radical change. By the way, Ryan, would you do me a favor? Would you run into the classroom and grab my Vines, uh, Vines Dictionary? I forgot to bring it in here this morning. I need to read what Vine says. It's pretty cool in regards to this word uh, for regeneration. So as we're waiting for my illustrious son, I don't know about you, but I want to be that childlike person that's no longer only innocent as I was. I was ignorant back in the day. Now, thank you very much. Now I want to be innocent, but I want to have knowledge and wisdom, his knowledge and wisdom. So here's what Vine says. This word for regeneration, the new birth, is used of spiritual regeneration in Titus 3 and 5, involving the communication of a new life, the two operating powers to produce, which are first the word of truth, as found in James 1.18, and the Holy Spirit, as found in John 3, verse 5 and 6. The word lutron, the labor, the washing, is explained in Ephesians 5.26, having cleansed it by the washing lutron of water with the word. Notice, the bride is cleansed by the washing of water with the word. And then he goes on and says, the new birth and regeneration do not represent successive stages in spiritual experience. They refer to the same event, but view it in different aspects. The new birth stresses the communication of spiritual life in contrast to the antecedent of spiritual death. Regeneration stresses the inception of a new state of things in contrast with the old. So the washing of regeneration is a moment in time you're given what you need to be renewed and restored to fullness as we once were. Now let's go to the next point, point number two, because this is where it gets really exciting. Renewing by the Holy Spirit. 
Brethren, what does the scripture say the Holy Spirit is right now? Christ in us, the hope of glory, the confident expectation of God's glory. And so there's, and, and I look at your notes, I would encourage you to do that. Notice the statement I make. There is an age of renewal and renovation unto completion. When is the renovation going to be complete, by the way? Does anybody know? When we cross the finish line. So we are in a process of being renewed and restored. The last step as we cross the finish line, we're transformed into the fullness of his glory. But we can possess and manifest his glory now as we continue to grow. And so going back to the passage of scripture in Titus, it says in verse five, by the washing of regeneration, we were saved not on what we've done. We were saved by his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So Strong says, renovation, renewing. Two words there, if you'll take a look at that. Anakinesis. The word ana means reversal. Reversal. What happens if you were in the right location to begin with and you jumped in your car and you started driving to a place that you thought was the right location, but you came to your senses and went, wait a minute, I was in the right place to start with. What an idiot. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to turn around. You're going to go right back to where you were. Right? That's exactly what we need to think about. When we were kids, we were in a right relationship with God. We had a sensitivity. That's why I believe I was so enamored by the creation. I still am. And that's why I was so in awe of people that loved other people, seemingly, and were sacrificing their whole life for the service of people, seemingly, and serving God. That's why I wanted to be a priest when I grew up. Well, God honored that childlike desire. And now in Christ, as each person who's in Christ is a priest, is a royal priest, as it says. And so this verse, Anna, means a reversal, a reversal of what? Going back to what we were, children of God, innocent before God. But uh, koinos is the... Uh, Second Greek word, especially in freshness, i.e. a youngling or youth in respect to this age. You are a young, a youngling, you're youthful in Christ. You're saying, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm exuberant and excited. Maybe... We're doing something wrong if that's what our experience is. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through, all the pain and suffering and the struggling. I might suggest that maybe you're not looking at things the way they are in the spiritual realm. Because remember, what does he say? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. For the hope set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. For the hope set before us with great joy Let's live our lives 
knowing that when we do have trials in our lives, guess what? God is preparing us for the next step. Now, brethren, when you take a look at what Thayer says, a renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. I don't know about you, but I hope that you believe that being a Christian is an amazing change for the better. You know, I've had a lot of people say, well, it kind of sounds like from what I've been told that everything was supposed to be wonderful when I became a Christian. And I go, I don't know who told you that, but they were terribly wrong. Yeah, but they said all these wonderful blessings would come my way. And all I'm being blessed with is misery and heartache and suffering. Well, maybe the mindset again has to be in the right place. Recognizing. But Vines shares this, the revival of the Spirit's power in our lives. The revival of the Spirit's power in our lives? When was the Spirit alive and well in you? Again, when I was a kid, marveling at his every new creation that I saw, marveling at the amazing beauty of the church building I was in and the men who were laying it all down in service to the people. You know, I'm glad I got a good start, really. But I'm glad that I came back to the word and the word only. And so the revival of the Spirit's power in our lives speaks of the continually or the continual renewing operation of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what? Someone can be immersed into Christ and receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and do nothing and continue to dwell in the old way of life. What a horrible place to be. When I tried doing that my first year as a Christian, I was miserable. Going to bed, crying every night, asking God to deliver me, deliver me from the mess that I created the night before. Horrible, horrible. But you know, there was a difference between that experience and what I did before I was immersed into Christ. I never felt that way about all the garbage I did. In fact, I kind of gloried in the fact of my sin. It's kind of sick, but that's what the Bible says. And when I read that, I go, yeah, that was like me. That's a sick thing. I used to glory in my sin. But I was no longer glorying in it. I was painfully embittered by the foolishness I was dragging my Christ through, for he was in me. I knew that much, and so it was crushing. You see, when we read this, it says, speaks of the continual renewing operation of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but it must be in conjunction with you. You could still be hard-hearted, unteachable. I know people who are hard-hearted and unteachable. I don't know if their immersion took or not. I can't look into their hearts. I can't know. But all I can see is, is they're not willing to change. They're not willing to embrace the word. They're, they're still hateful. They're still malicious. They're still all of those things in verse 3. How's that possible? 
Here's, here's why that happens. Did you receive Jesus as your Christ or as your personal Savior? If you receive him as personal Savior, I don't find that in the scriptures. The fact that he is your Savior, the Savior of all mankind, is true. But over and over and over again, it says we're supposed to confess him as our Christ. Christ means he's your prophet. He tells you what to do by the mouth of God. Now, you can choose to obey God or not. Now, I was teaching the boys this morning, these young men up and coming. I told them, never trust a smiling preacher. Right? Didn't I say that? Okay. Never trust a smiling preacher. And we read a passage of scripture, and I told them that that word meant that the people that the, the uh, writer of that book was addressing, he called them stupid. Now I asked them to go back and check me out because you should never trust a smiling preacher. Okay, Now I know what they're going to find because I looked it up. Okay? We need to recognize and understand, brethren, how important it is for us to embrace the word of God. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're a Christian this morning, but you can actually grieve the Spirit. You can actually say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. And you will grieve the spirit. And you will cause problems in the church because you'll be embittered and you'll have those ugly character qualities that we see in verse three. But you know what? If you're teachable, if you'll humble yourself to the commandments, and the principles and the precepts of God's word, he will work in you continual renewal. Now, I'm not going to guilt anybody when I say this, but and I hope you're not guilted. I'm not trying to guilt you. But man, if you have a restored relationship with your dad, like I had a restored relationship with my dad at 40 years old, man, I wanted to be on the phone with him all the time. And I was driving up there all the time, honey, right? Twice a, twice a month spending time with him, enjoying time with my dad. I wanted a restored relationship. And because the door opened for us to have a restored relationship, guess what? I talked to him all the time. Calling him on the phone, making plans of what we're going to do. All the time I knew that my dad was so sickly that most of those plans could never come to be. But you know what? When we talk about those plans of what we're going to do, we're going to go fishing on the Columbia River the smile on his face, and he was alive again, although he was dying. And I was alive as a boy because I never had that with my dad. You can have that with your dad, your heavenly father. I want to please my dad in every respect. I want that. This is a relationship. I want to know what's going to please him. And I'm going to do it because I love it when I please my dad. And you know what? He who water, waters others waters himself. I know that my dad is pleased with me when I do what he says. It's not a chore. If it's a chore, you're, you're listening to the wrong voices. To obey God is because you love him knowing that he loves you. It's not a law. It's love. It's not a regulation and a rule. It's the relationship. 
And so, brethren, please know, you can have the Holy Spirit inside, but if you're not responsive to what he calls you to do, you're stiff next, as it says in the book of Proverbs, you'll be utterly destroyed at some point in time. Humble your heart, be teachable. Allow him to teach you and be responsive to him. And so in conclusion, there is a moment of time when the seasons of refreshing begins. And that moment of time is the washing of regeneration. When in fact your sins are washed away, that old man is taken away, as it says in verse three, and that you are, as our brother Jeff said, you are given the new life, a new creation. And that's when the restoration and the renewal can begin. But you need to be a participant, a willing participant and willing to follow the great design for your life. I don't know about you, but I love sitting down to read my Bible. I know that's kind of weird for some. And I love getting up at four o'clock in the morning and reading my Bible. That's weirder for others. That's okay, I'm a morning person. By 4.30 with my coffee, I'm dancing in my office. It's a wonderful thing. Okay? Most people are going, what are you doing in your office? I always use that as being joyful and happy, kind of like David. It's important for us to recognize, brethren, it's possible to have joy and that refreshing and that newness of life right now. I pray that we will get there. Let's pray. Father, it's because of your presence in us that we could have any real joy it's because your presence in us through your your son the spirit that we can have joy in every situation and circumstance and we can have an excitement and a zeal for this life especially when things get so crazy you know in this last year whenever i took my eyes off of your word and off you and looking to jesus i got discouraged i got kind of overwhelmed a couple times And yet, Father, we're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our our faith. For the hope set before him, he endured all things because he was excited about what was to come. We can have that right now. And we need to have that because our lives then can be a light in this dark and perverse and hopeless generation. Help us, Father, I pray, to understand these things. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you very much, and we'll see you tonight. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.